The following is a production of the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of UFBA Today. I am your host, Sho Ali, with you for another episode of the program. Uh, it was a very busy past seven days, as you all know, right? The trade deadline passed. We touched on that in the last episode to a degree. We have a couple more trades to get to. We will get to those today. We'll talk about some of the big kind of moves made right at the deadline, which was last Friday. Uh, teams are now, of course, loading up for the stretch run heading into the uh, rest of the regular season. And of course, I'm sure many hope the UFBA playoffs, which start at the end of the NBA regular season, which I, I want to say is the uh, kind of mid, mid-April mid thereabouts, right? And they'll run the UFBA finals, NBA finals, of course, will run uh, until the mid to late June. So a lot of basketball still left to be played, which means a lot more episodes of UFBA today right here on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, our guest today, we will have a guest, none other than Keshav Sharma, who is the UFBA commissioner. Um, he's more of a silent type, I would say. He's been really helpful to me and doing a ton of stuff. I was just trying to think of all the things Keshav does for me on a daily basis. Tons of things, right? Making sure the standings are correct. Making sure the fan track site is up to date. Making sure the back end of the UFF site itself is up to date with correct players and all the various rosters. And there are a lot of players in the UFBA rookies in their 26-game limit. Keshav does it all for me. So in the back half of the show, uh, he will join us and we'll chat some. Uh, we'll kind of get to know him a little bit so you guys can get to know him, franchise owners, fans, et cetera. Everyone get to know the current commissioner of the UFBA. But a busy show today. We'll also chat the uh, prize pool. That amount has been finalized. We'll get the number out there for you. Uh, we'll discuss the prospect list that our scouting director has put together, and we'll take a look at the standings as well. So let's get right into things uh, with the trade deadline recap and the prize pool update. And I, wanna, I wanted to start with the trade deadline. Um, we had a flurry of deals right after we did our last episode of UFBA today. Now, I won't get to them all because so many of them involved draft picks, SCO tokens, and so on, but let it be known that the very last deal agreed to by both parties was submitted at 2.59 p.m. Eastern. Actually, I think it was 2.59.08 p.m. Eastern, so less than a minute to go in the deadline. I did click that button to have it processed in time. The Midnight Owls and the Slashers completing the last deal of 2021. I believe it was uh, Nerlens Noel going uh, and in one direction and Bruno Fernando in a 2022 second round pick going back in the other way. I think that was from the Slashers, Noel going from the uh, the Midnight Owls. So uh, both teams also managed to get under the luxury tax right before the end of the trade deadline. Of course, you can still do that right before uh, the end of the month because we have five snapshots. That's 10. Five snapshots over the course of the regular season, December, January, February, March, and then April being the last one. But of course, it's it's easier to get under or over the tax threshold or tax snapshot, what have you. Um, with trades. So, of course, the Midnight Owls and the Slashers doing that. Um, if we look back at some of the more impactful deals that I think we managed to have go on in the UFBA this year, I would probably point to two. I would point to the Shea Gilgis Alexander deal, and I would point to the Ben Simmons uh, D'Angelo Russell deal. Because, of course, in real life, between the Nets and Sixers, Ben Simmons was actually traded to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for James Harden. And there were other pieces involved as well. But, of course, those two guys were the two main pieces. I think 
the Ben Simmons Russell, Ben Simmons D'Angelo Russell deal between the Knight Riders who got Russell and the GOAT who got Simmons will probably, in my opinion, end up being the most impactful deal in the UFBA this year, only because, like I said, of the Harden Simmons deal in real life, right? Like, certainly the Gilgis Alexander deal, which involved a King's Ransom, including a ton of players, lots of SCO, which I think is probably the equivalent of some franchise values in, in it, across the various sports on UFF uh, sports platform. So that was definitely the largest deal. But I think if Ben Simmons can get back into shape soon-ish, I think he could impact things in the sense that the GOAT have, you know, they're currently fourth in their division. I think they were last I checked on Monday. We'll take a look at the standings a little later on. But the GOATs were 14 and 34 last I checked. And if they can get some good production out of Simmons and other pieces like Devin Vassell and so on, I think the GOAT could really make a push. If not for the division, they could at least make a push to make the play-in tournament. And, you know, as we all know, who knows what happens when you get to the play-in tournament because you get to redraft your rosters and the play-in draft and so on. So I think for that reason, I think that might be the most impactful deal. I'm not like I'm not putting down the Shea Gilgis Alexander deal by any means, right? Because it's just the Midnight Owls have done such a good job building their roster under the the direction of GM Gage. And Gage, I'm sorry, I don't know your last name, so we'll just stick with Gage for now. But uh, they've done such a good job that acquiring the young Canadian Shea Gilgis Alexander doesn't change the fact that they're a very good team, right? Like it, it could very well be the move after the All Star break. When Gilgis Alexander, he has that foot slash ankle injury that he's dealing with. He's going to be reevaluated after the All Star break in a couple of a uh, couple of days, or couple, I guess in a week or so. Right is when he'll when he'll be reevaluated. I guess if that ends up being what puts the Midnight Owls over the top, I think that's great, and we will look back on that trade as being one of the turning points of the UFBA season right here in the inaugural year of the league. But at the same time. Given the kind of relative disparities in where the Midnight Owls are right now at the top of the league and the GOAT at the kind of just just outside of the playing tournament, I think that if for that reason, I might look at the Ben Simmons deal. The other half of it, too, is Ben Simmons. Maybe he doesn't play this year. Maybe he doesn't play well this year. Right. Even if he does play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the playoffs in real life. Um, and maybe it's a it's a next year type of thing. But either way, I think uh, the ripple effects of seeing Ben, Tr- ben Simmons traded from the Knight Rider to the GOAT. I think is going to be something that uh, is impactful for a couple of seasons because Ben Simmons is under contract for quite a long time. Uh, let's also take a look finally at the prize pool. You saw the number flash there a little before. I have some numbers here um, in my handy dandy notebook, but here's the final amount. Okay, this is the most important number that is uh, is is relevant to everyone: four hundred and thirty-five thousand four hundred and fifty-three score tokens or SCO, as we uh, usually call it. Right, that's the final amount made available for the 2021-22 prize pool. Uh, last I checked, it was around $30,000 USD. So you can convert that to the currency of your choice. But of course, the platform goes with USD. So around 30000 USD. Um, obviously, that's not going over to uh, one person, right? But still, 30G split over a number of teams, I think, makes the pursuit worth it. I have a, number, I have a couple of numbers right here in my handy-dandy notebook, um, just because I think uh, it was kind of difficult for me to uh, <laughs> to kind of remember remember it all so you have here the payouts and before we get to the payouts real quick i'll just say uh the number we came to for 435,453 was taken in part from the franchise auction 10 percent of the franchise auction funds went into that pool uh the uh, rookie draft yeah as i believe it was called the already owned draft um before the season started that went into the pool as well 
And then those numbers were split over three prize pools, if you guys remember, right? So 50% of the overall franchise auction, 10%, and the already owned players auction went into this year's prize pool, 35% went into uh, next year's prize pool, and 15% went into the 23-24 prize pool. So those are all kind of sitting right now in various wallets. Um, and uh, that also means 50,901 tokens out of that 435k came from transactions this year alone. So of course, those kinds of transactions mean trades, uh, they mean waiver ads, and they mean free agent ads. And of course, as, as some people are aware, and you can view this on basketball.uffsports.com, if you go to the auctions tab, if you want to see previous auctions, you can do that whenever you want. And uh, a lot of those auctions uh, did have some bidding wars. I remember uh, Bismack Biombo was a certain one that I, I got to say went far beyond I, even what I thought he'd go for. But hey, Bismack has been a great addition to the Phoenix Suns, and he's been a great addition to the team that picked him up in the free agent auction as well. So 50,000, just I guess a smidge under 51,000 SCO tokens uh, went into this 435,453, which is the amount that will be doled out. So of course, right now on the screen, you can see the uh, payouts for this year, right? So 70% of this year's prize pool is going to go to uh, the regular season or kind of go to things across the regular season, I guess, right? So you can see here, Right now, placements one through 10, and two teams, obviously, because there are two conferences, uh, two teams each will get this amount of money. So the number one seed right now, uh, for example, I think it's the Skyhooks in the Magic Conference, and it is the Midnight Owls in the, uh, or pardon me, the, uh, it's the Skyhooks in the Magic Conference and the Spitfire Aviators in the Bird Conference. So Midnight Owls are just behind the Skyhooks in the Magic Conference. So the Aviators and the Skyhooks right now, if they kept their place, would get 42,000, just a smidge over 42,000 SCO tokens just for being the number one seed. And then you kind of go down the list, right? So this this uh, this particular image here is a tab that we make available on our Cap Sheets document, which is available for anyone to view. And I'll, I'll include the link in the description for this video and in this podcast episode. Um, we'll include all the various links whenever you want. But if we keep going down, you can kind of see the rest of the UFBA 2021-22 payouts. There are uh, awards for the number one overall seed, as I mentioned, uh, for the entire league, not just for the con not for the conferences. Uh, you got six division winners as well. That is the same amount paid out for everyone. MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Most Improved Player, Rookie of the Year. Uh, something tells me the Rookie of the Year will probably go to the Skyhooks, considering like what ninety <laughs> percent of their roster are rookies. Um, but there you go. So that's kind of the division. And then, of course, 30% of the prize pool will go to teams in the playoffs. So I guess if, if, if you, you know, if you make it all the way to the UFBA finals and you win, you will get a nice cumulative payout based on where you finish, because obviously you would have gotten one of those payouts from the one to 10 spots. And then you're also getting a payout for the first round, the semis, the final conference finals and the UFBA finals as well. So there you go. That's uh, the uh, prize pool distribution the 2021-22 season. Um, in, on that note as well, for the finals, uh, in addition to the cumulative prize, we're in currently in, in negotiations with Trophy Smack to have the UFBA Finals Trophy, and maybe there's going to be a new name for that coming. We'll have to discuss that maybe as a league and as a you know competition committee will be involved, and the UFF founders will be involved in that discussion as well. But if you've paid attention to the UFAFL, our pals on the football side, um, they have a pretty awesome trophy, and they all were all those. That trophy was also created by Trophy Smack, so ours will look uh, pretty nice. Dare I say, better if we're going to issue a challenge <laughs> to our pals on the other side of the sports here at UFF. But I'm thinking the the reveal will obviously be here on uh, UFBA today, probably in the not too distant future. I'm thinking 
I'm guessing closer to the end of the regular season. So at the end of, you know, maybe mid to end of April is when we'll unveil the trophy as we head into the UFBA playoffs. But just keep that in mind. We will get a trophy uh, and it'll have the logo of the winning team imprinted on that, which is pretty cool. Um, I wanted to get take a look as well at the 2022-23 prospects images. We have a lot of images here, so we'll kind of speed through them. Um, our friends on the uh, marketing side managed to put together these snazzy images for us. As you all know, that Saturday, March 12th, which I did speak about the, on this on this uh, show before, Saturday, March 12th is the day before Selection Sunday for March Madness. That's the date of our inaugural Players Futures auction, right? So 120 players will go up for auction that day. 60 players from the 2022 draft class and 60 players from the 23 draft class. If you want to register to be a scout, by the way, um, you can do that uh, at basketball.uffsports.com. Um, Daniele Franceschi, our scouting director, and myself will both be monitoring for any registrations for uh, scouts and things like of that nature. Um, so we can go through the list very quickly. Again, 120 names. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and read all the names out here, but these are kind of the names that will be available to you, the scouts, and anyone interested in this on the platform. You can see some of the big names here, like the Jabari Smiths and the Chet Holmgrens and the Paolo Bancheros, right? As we go down the list, we have a couple of uh, international players here as well, like uh, Hugo Basson and uh, Nikola Jovic and so on. Um, I think a lot more players, a lot more people who are doing the scouting this year will probably be more familiar with this year's players than they would be for 2023. But I do encourage everyone to do as much research as humanly possible when it comes to the names, because like I said, 120 names in one day. So I'm, I'm confident most people will be able to get at least one name. There's Andrew Nembhard at the very end. Of course, uh, Canada's own. Andrew Nemhard, right? So we have the 23 names as well. Victor Wembanyama is a, is a name kind of hovering at or near the top of the 2023 prospect list. You got Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. Amani Bates is another really fascinating one because of eligibility and all those kinds of things. So there might be some tweaks to the list as we go on throughout the rest of the year, but uh, we want to make that available to you. So again, those will be posted in our Telegram chat, where uh, we invite everyone to become a part of our UFBA Scouts family. And of course, if you're interested in in the baseball scouting, football scouting, all the other sports have scouting as well. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, I highly encourage you to join our Telegram chats. And uh, again, like with most things, the link for that will be made available in the description below. Um, the way it works as well, right? Like beyond beyond the names in this episode that we just showed you, uh, the 120 names. The open market will also open on Monday, March 14th, so just after the futures auction. And you can register any player that you like um, that is unowned by a scout for the fee of $25 USD, right? So I'll use an example I did in the football side because I joined the football side as a scout uh, back before the NFL season started. I managed to register Quay Walker, who's a linebacker for Georgia, uh, and he won the national championship over Alabama this year, very good game, right? And you can so you can essentially use your scouting prowess, let's say, to snatch up the best names, the the unknown prospects who are not in the top lists made available by the scouting directors. You know, we obviously try and have those top names in there, but as with anything, you know, guys will turn heads in, for example, in college basketball in March Madness um, and through the rest of the year. So I think it's going to be really important for people to bring their knowledge and their expertise to the scouting platform because it's a great way to make money and get rewarded and the way it works is this because i've gotten some questions on this um you know dms messages texts etc so i'll explain it here let's say uh you register to be a scout right you purchase a player 
uh, either in the futures auction or in the open market. That player is now under your scouting jurisdiction. When we get to the uh, entry auction, which is kind of our version of the NBA draft, and of course, the entry auction will take place after the NBA draft takes place in real life. So I believe the NBA draft, the season ends in June. The NBA draft will probably take place mid to late July. So maybe the UFBA entry auction for 2022 takes place at the end of July or beginning of August. And again, depends on the NBA dates themselves. But when we get to the entry auction, teams will use their draft picks to bid on the right to select a newly minted NBA player. Um, and so let's use an example, right? Let's use the Skyhooks. I mentioned they love their rookies, right? Good for them. They do a lot. They did a great job grabbing the top prospects like Barnes and Mobley and Cunningham and so on. Uh, let's say they pick someone, then you, the scout, get what the Skyhooks pay for that player, right? So Jabari Smith, let's use him as an example. Maybe he goes number one overall this year in both the NBA and the UFBA drafts. He goes for number one overall for 10 grand. You, the scout, paid six grand for him at the futures auction in March, on March 12th, Saturday, March 12th. You essentially make $4,000, right? Or let's use an open market ad, um, like my Quay Walker example. I paid 25 bucks for him. And let's say he gets drafted in the, I don't know, the second or third round in the real life NFL draft in April. Uh, you know, and then let's say a team picks him in the UFAFL entry auction later that spring, summer for 900 bucks. I made 875 bucks off of that $25 investment, right? So that's kind of how it works. And again, I believe it rewards those who have a deep knowledge and understanding of college sport, and in our case, college basketball. So if you believe you're one of those people, come and join the scouting business because get, you get rewarded and paid for your knowledge, which is really exciting. Um, before we get to our guest, Keshav, uh, he is, of course, our UFBA commissioner. Let's take a look at the standings real quick. We're going to aim to do this a little bit every week, right? Take a look at the standings across the UFBA. Um, and the Bird Conference is the, uh, you know, that's the team the Spitfire Aviators are leading in. The Aviators have become, impressively, the first team in the conference to 50 wins, which is not only really cool, but they haven't lost a game since we did this last week, which is really impressive, right? So still at eight losses, first team in the conference to 50 wins. Um, the Majesty have managed to keep pace in the win department. They're still four games back of the Aviators, but still, uh, you're keeping pace there. You can see the graphic there. Um, the sharpshooters have continued to climb their fourth overall in the conference. If you go back a couple of weeks, uh, they were just on the cusp of being in the play-in tournament, and now they are top four overall in the Bird Conference. Um, if we look at, uh, oh, another thing too is the hyenas have overtaken the Cosmos for the final spot in the play-in. But as you can see there with the games behind and so on, uh, the Great Lakes Sharks are at 30 and the hyena, uh, 30 games back of the leader, and uh, the Hyenas are only 32 games back. Cosmos, 32 games back. Knight Riders, 34 games back. So still a lot of basketball to be played, but the Hyenas can keep this up. Uh, they will be playing in the playing tournament and being a part and participating uh, in the play-in draft. Magic Conference on the other side. Skyhooks now occupy the league's top spot all by themselves. They were pretty much matched up with the Midnight Owls. Um, neck and neck all season long, but this, the Owls dropped just a single game and are now in third place in the league, second place in the Magic Conference. Uh, the Vipers have moved up to fourth place in the conference, though the Reapers and Hustlers still stick in the top six. Uh, the Battle Hounds, congratulations to them as they have now hit the 500 mark on the season. They've moved up to the ninth seed, so they're in the playing tournament as well, along with the underdogs. And uh, if you look there, the Mustangs, the Goat and the Redbacks are still within spitting distance. I, I think that's when you get into the danger zone, right? When you see who who is where. But still, uh, those are those are the kind of current matchups right now. Division divisionally, a lot of the division matchups are not out of reach, but uh, it would be an uphill battle for teams not in the first place spot 
in their division to get a little further on. Um, I'll say this, though. Division 5, I still think, remains the tightest race. Four of five teams separated by a total of eight games. You can kind of see it there. I guess the Arctic Wolves do have a good chance of being the number one team in Division 1. Sharpshooters, Lucky 13, they have good chances in Divisions 2 and 3. But, I mean, look, the Vipers are 19 games back of the Skyhooks. And the, the Reapers are 19 games back of the Midnight Owls. Probably still going to be in a play-in spot, a playoff spot at the end of the day, those teams. But I, I think it's, it's going to be tough, even with so much basketball left to be played, to catch the number one teams. But uh, not, not too much time left to be played uh, in order for these teams to uh, make it into the play-in round and the playoffs. And don't forget, we will have a separate play-in draft. As we get closer to the playoffs, maybe we'll go over that in a little more, uh, in a little more detail in case people have any cur- you know, curious as to how that'll work. Um, but all the rules have been laid out and posted on Telegram as well. So if you're curious now, you can also join the chat and find out that way. Um, very pleased now, though, to be joined by our guest, Keshav Sharma, UFBA commissioner here for the UFBA. Keshav, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for making time for me uh, today, Keshav. I remember when I first reached out to you, because I, I was kind of hoping uh, we could use this opportunity to get the league and, and fans and so on to get to know you, the commissioner, a little better. Um, I remember when I reached out to you to do this role, you're a big basketball fan, which I knew that about you already, a big uh, fantasy sports fan, which again, I knew that about you already. So it's it's hard for most people who have those two combinations of a love for a specific sport and being a fantasy sports fan, just in general, to stay away from the allure of being involved in what we like to call the most professional fantasy sports league like our own. But I'm curious, what ended up being the thing, the thing that ended up making you say, you know what, I want to be involved in UFF sports? It's a great question. I think uh, kind of a couple things, um, as you mentioned, being a huge fantasy sports fan and uh, basketball fan in general. I think this also like over the last few months, I've tried to immerse myself in the NFT space as well. Uh, which has kind of led me to understand, I guess, the blockchain and uh, everything that goes into NFTs and cryptos a lot more. Uh, And this just seemed like a pretty cool opportunity to kind of mend, I guess, all three of those things together, uh, which ultimately um, makes me want to kind of be involved and be the commissioner of the the basketball league and kind of learning uh, all the rules and meeting everybody. I know that's been... uh, a little bit more difficult through, during the middle of the season, but uh, definitely loving it so far. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, you mentioned NFTs too, and obviously NFTs are a big part of what UFF, not just the basketball side of things, but the the entire UFF sports world generally is all about, right? And of course, it's crazy to think we're in February of 2022. It's crazy to think that, let's say if we went back to I don't know, January 2021 or even December of 2020, if you asked somebody to describe what a non-fungible token meant, they would. most people would probably have a difficulty explaining exactly what it is. And now it's funny to think that the, the term NFT has become so ubiquitous across certainly our industry, but just generally speaking across the entire world when it comes to art and so on. What, what intrigues you? I'm just curious. What intrigues you the most? about the world of nfts because you can go in any direction any way shape or form you want and everyone seems to have a little bit of a different uh, answer when it comes to what fascinates them about nfts so i'm curious where you would uh, where you would fall on that it's a great question i think the ability to own something on a blockchain that allows like the shows that you pr- have the ownership is pretty cool i think some of the utility that some of these nfts are offering is also super cool 
uh, whether it be in real life or if it's airdrops or if it's staking, it could be really anything. So I think the art is primarily like reason why I've gone into NFT specifically uh, and then specific projects because of the utility that they offer. Right, right. Uh, it's really why I enjoy NFTs. Okay, yeah, that's totally fair. I think that's totally valid. You know, I, I, I was asked this question on this show. So I'll ask you, um, if you could get one basketball player who's maybe still alive today on board as a UFF NFT athlete, who would it be? Let's, let's for the sake of our conversations, put aside LeBron and Michael Jordan and like Jan, you know what I mean? Like, let's put aside sure. for the, just for the sake of the conversation, like the stars, the, the super top level stars. If you could pick someone who maybe we don't always think about to be an NFT, you know, it doesn't have to even be a basketball player, but just for the, just out of curiosity, who would you, which athlete would you bring on board as an NFT athlete? It's a great question. I think it's really cool to see a lot of these basketball players starting to immerse themselves more into the NFT space. A few of the ones that I've seen so far have been uh, like Duncan Robinson, um, Charlie Villanueva. I know uh, Shaquille O'Neal's son, Sharif, dropped an NFT as well. Really? Um, Okay. Yeah. So it it seems like, and then Bronny James, I guess, filed that trademark for Bronny and then everybody's speculating whether or not that's for NFT related. So I'd probably say like Shaq, uh, I, I think that would be pretty cool. Seems like he's pretty business savvy and uh, he would, uh, he has the publicity behind him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Shaq, you know what? Shaq's like, I know he's a, he is a lot top level star, I will say, but Shaq is one of those rare athletes who obviously was a, unstoppably dominant in his time as an actual NBA player. And then he has like found new life as an analyst for TNT. And he arguably is one of the best analysts on, on television. I mean, his chemistry with Charles Barkley and Kenny and EJ and all those guys are unparalleled, right? It's the re- it's a good, good part of the reason why people say they're uh, the best guess, not just the best basketball panel, but just the best sports panel around. And I would, I would find it hard to disagree because their, their chemistry is unmatched. I hope you did get a chance to see um, not just UK Shab, but everyone a chance to see the uh, the end of the NBA All-Star Draft where LeBron was on one side and Kevin Durant was on the other side and uh, James Harden was one of the last people being picked. I got to say, if people have not seen that, that is truly comedy and like sports theater at its finest. And a big part of it was Shaq and also Charles Barkley. So I'm with you on the Shaq thing for NFTs. Um, I would, I, you know what, if I had to go with one of those other guys, I think Charles Barkley as an NFT would be funny because I could just picture... Shaq and EJ and Kenny asking him to explain what an NFT is, and I think that would be uh, absolutely hilarious. But yeah, those guys are are so good. Okay, I got to ask you, who is your favorite basketball player of all time? Your favorite? Like, if you, I, I mentioned, I say the word basketball, this player pops into your head. Who is that guy? Yeah, it's an easy one. It's uh, it's Kobe, uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, okay. You know from some of my fantasy sports names, Brown Mamba. That's where it comes from. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. So. Uh, Kobe, no, that's uh, I've been a Lakers fan for a long time uh, because of Kobe, and uh, in those tough Raptor years, it was uh, that was keeping me going in the basketball world. Yeah, so you're saying, uh, you, yeah, you're saying you'd rather cheer for Kobe Bryant over um, uh, Jamario Moon or, or Raphael Arujo? Yes, I, I agree. I agree. It, it, you know what? Close, I, but <laughs> it's close, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree on that one. Um, you know, it's funny. I, if I did, uh, my, my favorite players of all time probably are Raptors, 
you can see the Toronto hats on the wall and so on. But I, uh, I think one of my favorite players when I was younger was always to a degree. Shaq was up there. Uh, ben Wallace was up there to a degree. Allen Iverson. I always loved watching Allen Iverson play basketball. I know he didn't quite achieve the career heights that Kobe and, Kobe and Shaq and MJ and the rest of them did, but I mean, he's still a basketball Hall of Famer, and I, I almost feel like it's it's not that history forgot about AI, but at the same time, it, it almost feels like in a in an, a transitional era where you had all these famous people like like Kobe and Shaq and and Steve Nash and so on, right? AI almost seems to be like he's he's like left in the margins a little bit, which I always find kind of interesting. Yeah, he's in kind of like both eras a little bit because uh, he was kind of like in the middle of his career when we got the LeBrons and uh, that draft and all those players. Uh, but uh, transcend, transcendent talent. I mean, a lot of us are watching basketball because of Iverson or playing basketball oh, yeah. when we were younger because of Iverson. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is so talented. He's so good. Um, you know, I'll ask you this. I know one thing I've learned about you in the last uh, couple of years, certainly, because we've known each other for a while, uh, has been uh, your love for, for uh, sports trading cards, for getting involved in uh, cracking packs, right? It's hard to, and it's funny because the, the allure of, of NFTs has kind of, it, it's, I, I've, I've said this before, but NFTs are almost like it's the digital version Whereas cracking an actual baseball card is like the analog version, right? Like they're very similar in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm sure the, the kind of the comparison will grow as NFTs become more and more and more popular, especially in the sports space. But I'm curious, is there, is there a particular trading card that you have personally pulled out of a ba- pack of base- basketball cards that you are particularly proud of? It's a tough one. Um... I would probably say I don't have the best luck ripping packs, uh, okay, so uh, I have to buy my uh, my good cards. Uh, I did recently make a a big purchase, which was a okay. a Kobe uh, Gem Mint. Um, I can't remember the year on it now, but uh, that was probably my biggest card purchase to date. Um, but I, I yeah, I don't have a lot of luck, even in Top Shot NFL all day. Like I'm. I don't have much luck when it comes to ripping packs, so I got to buy what I want. <laughs> That's fair. You know what? Yeah, I'll say this. I, I think buying packs and uh, whether it's buying NFT sets or what have you um, I, is probably more cost effective in the long run, I would say, than buying like a million packs of like Prism cards and then ripping them, not getting the card you want, and then saying, well, is going to buy more. I mean, just go and go and go until yeah. you get the card you want. I freely admit I've fallen into that trap when it comes to other kinds of trading cards. So uh, I, uh, you know what, you're probably uh, on the right path. Uh, Keisha, before I let you go, and I appreciate you making some time for me today here on UFBA today. Uh, before I let you go, I got to ask you, what is one thing you're really looking forward to about the rest of either the UFBA or the NBA season? Because it's funny, we're in, we're in like mid-February now. The regular season doesn't end until about April. The playoffs will go until June. So there's still like months left of basketball. So I'm curious, what is what are one or a couple of scenarios that you're looking forward to as we go through here to the rest of the 2021-22 regular season and head on towards the playoffs? Yeah, I think there are a couple of good storylines. Like, can the Lakers bounce back? Uh, Golden State, is, are they going to still be dominant? Uh, top team in the West. Raptors are making a really nice run right now. I think the, the Philly 
uh, Nets game, I think that's going to be starred on everybody's yeah. calendar too. Hopefully we yeah. can get Simmons and Harden in that game. That would be like super fun to watch, probably like top five of the season. Um, yeah, I think so much. It, the NBA is such a great game, like league that there's so much talent that uh, even if you are watching some of the teams that aren't performing as well, they, they still have some star players, which is fun. Yeah, I think it, it, it's very true. Most teams, maybe not every single team, but most teams on a night-to-night basis can uh, can come back, can compete. We've seen like the, the rise of the Knicks at the beginning of the season, and now they've kind of fallen back down to earth. Same with the Washington Wizards. Then they've traded a couple guys away, Beal on the IR and so on. So it's it's crazy to think all the ripple effects. And I'm sure there'll be more, if not moves, because the trade deadline in both the NBA and the UFBA is done now. But there's still so much basketball left to be played in the regular season, be it Ben Simmons coming back for both the uh, now the Nets and now, of course, the GOAT in the UFBA as well. And uh, a couple other big time moves as well. But Keshav, uh, you and I, I'm sure, will be chatting very soon as you do a lot of ton of work. Um, behind the scenes that people don't see to help me keep the UFBA running on a day-to-day basis. So I thank you for that. And again, I thank you for uh, joining me here and making some time on uh, UFBA today. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. That's Keshav Sharma, UFBA commissioner. And of course, you can get him on Telegram. You can get me on Telegram as well. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me on Twitter, at SNS Alley with two L's. Um, Instagram is the same thing. If you want to reach out, at the UFBA underscore is the official league account. So you can reach out on any of those social channels if you want to be a part of the league. You have questions about scouting. Um, you know, you have questions about really anything. You can reach out to myself. Keshav. Daniele Franceschi is our scouting director. He's going to join me on a future episode of UFBA today. But that's it from this episode. Thank you to list for everyone for listening. If you can rate, review, subscribe, that is also very much appreciated. You've been listening to and watching the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Talk to you next week. Oh.